Hey, spoiler alert, millions of listeners. We are going to talk about Black Panther for like the whole damn episode. Not only that, we are filling up the bonus episode with Black Panther 2. So go see Black Panther now. Just know that if you listen to this episode, we are lavishing all kinds of words on this film. So it may take away the element of surprise. You are all adults, most of you anyway. So do the right thing. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is episode 14, and I'm your host, Anita Sarkeesian. Today, I'm joined by my fellow Wakandan female guards, Ebony Astor. What's up, people? And Carolyn Bennett. Hey, hey. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love, or alternatively, we're the feminist killjoys coming for your media, depending on your perspective. On today's show, we're going to check in with the latest pop culture news, then we're going to spend all of the time talking about Black Panther. We'll finish the show by each sharing a little something in What's Your Freak Out? And as always, exclusively for our fantastic drip backers, we'll be recording a bonus segment. This week, we're going to keep the Black Panther conversation going by responding to reviews of the film from newspapers and movie sites. Everything Feminist Frequency produces, including this very podcast, is listener, reader, and fan-supported. Thank you for helping us stay on the air and on the web. If you want to access special perks and exclusive backer awards, join our podcast community at d.rip slash femfreak. Now on with the show. Hey, so what'd you do last night? (laughs) Went to a very late screening of Black Panther. Yeah, it was so late. It was pretty late. It was so good, though. <laughs> and now it's the next morning, bright and early, and we're going to f- try to formulate our thoughts in, in coherent ways. We sure are. It's going to be great. Apparently, Ebony's not speaking today. Uh, no, sorry. I'm I'm having trouble <laughs> getting you. I, I just got my Camoyo beads. Um, I, <laughs> I haven't quite figured out the Wakandan tech yet. I just landed. Um, so please bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carol. Yeah. What's going on in entertainment this week? So this first story, this is the kind of like just goofball out of left field entertainment news story that just gives me so much life. You know what? What just timeless, completely un- unforgotten, still relevant 80s rivalry is returning to screens later this year? Goose and Maverick? I'm talking, I'm talking <laughs> of course... Even bigger than that one, Ebony. I'm talking, of course, about the rivalry between Dan- Daniel LaRussa and Johnny Lawrence. That's right. A televised sequel to The Karate Kid what? is coming to YouTube Red, starring Ralph Macchio and that other guy who he <laughs> swan kicked. The guy he swan kicked at the end of the original Karate Kid. And so, like, just super quick, the trailer teaser trailer premise is that that guy, the blonde jerk face uh his is reopening the cobra kai dojo the evil cobra kai dojo whoa and 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 ralph macchio daniel's like i don't know why you'd want to reopen cobra kai and there's a moment where they're both they're standing in the dojo and ralph macchio says to the other guy johnny you and i this we aren't done so yeah it's on Woo! Wow. Like, I mean, like, like I don't know what he is, like 55 now, 50 or something. And like the rivalry is, oh my, it's just, it's fantastic. Billy Zabka Uh, wasn't done. That's right. Billy Zabka. That's right. And I wasn't done either. I'm here for this. As you know, my second favorite genre of movie is action grandpa. So here for Mm. it. Yeah. 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 I'm stoked. Um, In other entertainment news, um, the first female player to be signed to uh, to an esports league has been signed to an esports league. I, just, <laughs> I phrased that completely perfectly. Um, Gaguri, who is a uh, female uh, Overwatch player, um, has joined the Shanghai Dragons. So, um, you know, people are very excited that it's like one, I mean, it's one female player out of the entire roster of Overwatch League players all over the world. But hopefully it is like a step at, toward, you know, in, toward like true inclusion um, in that space. Yeah. Cool. I've yeah. never been involved in something that sounds as cool as the Shanghai Dragons. Like, I know. No matter, that could be so cool. like a competitive laundry league and it still sounds badass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Let's do this. We're going to talk about Black Panther. 
for two whole sections of the podcast. Oh my god! Because there's so much to unpack here. Uh, Black Panther, as if you don't know, I don't know what pop culture planet you've been the living best on. movie Black ever. It's the latest installment in the Marvel film superhero franchise. It was directed by Ryan Coogler, who is also the director of Creed and Fruitvale Station, which are also both wonderful films. Um, The hype around this movie has been incredible, and being able to see it on opening night for all of us, I think, was really awesome as well. And I'm sure we all have a boatload of thoughts. So I don't. Let's unpack this. I don't have whatever any thoughts. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I have all of the thoughts. So if y'all I, just Ebony wanna... did tell me, Ebony did tell me beforehand that if I didn't like the movie, I needed. To I don't want to hear about myself. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I will straight up quit this job. And you know how much I love Carolyn, so it would break my heart. But I would do it. I would take one for the team. Wakanda forever. For Wakanda forever. <laughs> um. Let's see. I mean, I don't know. I just to get the ball rolling. Uh, I'll start. I, I mean, I'll start by saying by talking about something that I, I that I didn't love about the film. What? No, uh-uh. yes. no, no. Yes. You gotta start with what you liked about I'll it. Get this out of the way, and then we can like, uh, and then we can go into. Oh, okay, God. Carol, you're Fine. taking a very right. bold stance here, and I want you to recognize. I was like, I got the, things I don't like, but I was waiting. Oh but no, but listen, <laughs> listen, given so like, given yeah. the tenor of conversations yeah. going on right yeah. now about this movie, I just want you to know, people might stop listening and they might come for you. So be very right. careful about how you frame this for your own safety. Aww. That's all, all right, I will Carol, say. You're on the spot now. Right, no no right. pressure. No, it's just that um, like it's, I, it's necessity as a plot device within the f- story this film tells is completely apparent. But it's frustrating to me that in this film where there's so many, so many wonderful women, uh, you know, uh, uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, the the king of Wakanda, surrounded by so many, so many fantastic women, um, that this method of determining uh, who's worthy of being king, uh, where they, where it's determined by dominance through, like, uh, a physical ch- challenge, is so kind of, like, just the most patriarchal kind of thing that y- you could imagine, right? Like, oh, if you can come and, like, beat me in physical combat, then you're worthy of being king of this country. Like, that's... That, yeah, that, I mean, that frustrates me. I think that... So that... T- I so don't want to talk about the Sorry. bad shit first, Carol. Sorry, we're not yeah. going to. There is no bad I just shit. Wanted, like, there okay. was, like, I felt I, this, like... But I this just, is... Re- yeah, I mean, this is related. So, okay, I'm going to say, before yeah. there's any confusion, uh-huh. that I fucking loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, It was exactly what I thought it was going to be in terms of, like, I thought I was going to like it. I thought it was going to be entertaining. I thought I, the cast was going to be incredible. I thought the the costumes, holy shit. Um... And I thought that the overarching superhero story was going to have issues for me, right? Like, so it was exactly what I expected. My biggest problem is monarchy. I think monarchy is bullshit. And so when that is the premise that a film is based on um, and celebrated within, I have issues within. So, I, you know, the the idea that, like, you know... <laughs> that like you you're passed down by bloodline and you get to be the king of this country and that it's a ki- like you were saying it's also patriarchal in terms of it's a, a lineage of men theoretically um and i i had a really hard time with that which feeds into some of the other story elements that mm. happened in the film um but yeah like yeah you can challenge the throne but, but, but the but, way you do that is, yeah. is by being able to, Much, beat, yeah. to beat the crap But out also of the in guy. this world, women are just as powerful as yeah. men physically. So I don't, I, I think that, I overall, I think that's a problem. But in the context of the film, like mm. out, women could challenge him if no, they wanted to. Sure, but uh, of and course. And you have female leaders yeah. from the tribes the and that sort of that, thing. It's just the fact that it still comes yeah. down to like who can. Sure. Who it's can... still a fucking superhero movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not a justification. Just right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, right, bring us know, back. Bring us back, so Ebony. <laughs> bring us no, back. no, y'all are y'all are lost to me, and that's why your visas for Wakanda are getting denied. But um, no. so the. I think, yeah, context is important, right? Which neither of you are dismissing. But I loved the challenge scene so much. 
um, as a way of demonstrating the vitality and the currency of tradition and culture um, in Wakanda. And so while I, I understand where you're coming from, Carol, that it, that it potentially, you know, implies a kind of regressive, you know, understanding of the transfer of power, um, you know, as Anita noted, I think because, you know, women like their physical might is just understood. I, I didn't, you know, have the same concerns that this is just another like show of, you know, um, masculine dominance, right? Like it, it happened to be that then, but I, I don't know that the movie, you know, suggests that women are pr- precluded from that. I think we, you know, might be able to no. unpack, you know, the fact that, you know, My, although yeah. like it, it does pass from king to king, right? Like we don't see, or, you know, in the, um, in the moments when we go to the land of the ancestors, like we don't see, you know, female rulers there we see past kings right but um but yeah sure. so I, I guess no, I, I mean i i i'm so, i just meant that you know e- absolutely women can participate in this system mm-hmm. it, my issue is just even if they do the way that they demonstrate they're more qualified mm-hmm. is by is through physical dominance mm-hmm. and that to me just doesn't like in any like in any that just yeah i i object to that yeah but well you know that it's not about g- gender like uh, the exclusion of women, mm-hmm. um, violence, uh, physical combat, co- as coded as masculine, whether it's or as or male, as a measure of yeah. of one's worth for right any, and, and right for to anything. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Um, so I, the movie was fucking beautiful. Like yeah, that definitely. opening scene with the the sand intro, mm-hmm. like oh God, where yeah. you're just like all like the history was sort yeah. of established, and then you see that the the sand bits are integrated into the tech of the world. Mm-hmm. I was so fascinated by the tech and the way that they showed that, right? Like the communication devices when they were talking to each other and how you can like link them. And so yeah. you're like three-way conference calling mm-hmm. kind of thing that happened or um, the, so this was super impassing. I I don't think a lot of people noticed, but there was one scene that was just like a world building scene. And there was a ship that looked like a dragonfly and it yeah. sort of like flips mm-hmm. its tail up and, and like lands on the side of a building. And I was like, Oh God, the like, the tech and the world building of Wakanda was just breathtaking. Yeah, I think um, so. You know, Tanahasi Coates's um, Black Panther run has been, you know, justly famed for how amazing it is. Um, and part of that is the amazing um, uh, world building by his illustrator, um, whose name is I think Brian Stelfries. Um, but so the artist talks about the the who the artist who comes from you know the Gullah community talks about how he deliberately. Um, you know, wanted to demonstrate like the evolution of a technology that is, for lack of a better word, organic, right? And so you mm-hmm. have, you know, these these gliders that are reminiscent of insect or bird shapes, but there's, you know, there's no sort of separation between the machine and the natural world. Um, it, it evolved, you know, um, in this peculiarly, you know, African slash Wakandan slash mythological way. And that was very deliberately done. And I, I loved that. Yeah, and there was a lot of the other like the other thing I noticed too is I really liked there's there were these small juxtapositions between tech and nature that I think that they did really nicely. And it started with when they that first scene where they fly in um to Wakanda and so you see the the folks on horses like mm-hmm. running through the fields and then they enter the the city and you see that overview um and just the 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 way that you can marry tech and nature, right? Or the mm-hmm. way that, that the visual juxtaposition of that I thought was delightful. Yeah, one of the things that I was so delighted by, like to my soul, was the way that technology um, didn't evolve in Wakanda in the service of industry, right? Or capitalism. So we fly in to Wakanda through the, you know, the force field and the, the tall buildings we see it could be characterized as skyscrapers, but they weren't like corporate skyscrapers, right? right? And so it wasn't like, you know, a kind of the the typical kind of Western looking urban space in which commerce and the marketplace is so important. And so like technology is in the service of making people more productive. You know, it was about service of the people, but uh, but because the emphasis was not on industry um, and and economy, um, you know, it, that's that's one of the reasons why there's this this fusion Right. This very natural fusion um, between, you know, the machine, you know, as I say, and the natural, um, because there's a different emphasis. There's a, there's a different point to it. 
Yeah, I was actually I made a note I made a note about capitalism because I was like, is this a world in are they a capitalist society or not? Like there are vendors, which mm-hmm. is, means that there is a, a market, right, which is, you know, a part of a big part of capitalism. Um, but I didn't ever I didn't think about that point that you made where the, the buildings don't have like corporate logos and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. You also don't see like because we don't ever interact with the public at large mm-hmm. in Wakanda, really, outside of that, like the two times you're in that market square. And so, like, do they have access to tech? Is it like is it integrated into their lives? Is everybody like taken care of? I get the impression that that's the case, but I, I didn't. I believe so because that everybody explicitly. has the Kamoyo beads, you know, the bracelets that you know do. They- yeah. In the world, like all all people in Wakanda, yeah, that's it's that's what it certainly seemed to be for me, and okay. that's my understanding, you know. And so the bracelets, like each bead has a, a different function. So there's you know the communication bead, there's the prime um, Kamoyo bead that has like you know kind of uh, the individual's like coded DNA um, evidence and whatever. But 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 everybody appears to have that, and the because vibranium, you know the the powers that it confers come through the ground like everybody's connected in a way so there's no one who is divorced from it although not everyone exists in a lab like Shuri's lab nevertheless this is you know mm-hmm. something that infuses the entire world and everyone uses it to their own purpose right so when we see um oh shit I'm I'm blanking on his name but Daniel Kaluuya's character Kaluuya's character right um mm-hmm. so we see him in this very you know natural space um you know with his fighting war rhinoceros and they're you know <laughs> um, like small dwellings around him but nevertheless yeah he's someone who's got the kamoyo bracelet like it's I, I just love it i love the idea that um being technically technologically advanced does not necessarily mean um you know you yeah. then exist in some prefab a version of you know the future or whatever that just looks very white and very European. Yeah, oh totally. And when um um Shuri right mm-hmm. the yeah um the sister yeah uh you know heals the uh, CIA agent and he's like well this the, g- bullet wounds don't just heal in a few hours or whatever and she says well that you know they do here mm-hmm. yeah I mean the sense I get from that obviously the film you know doesn't take that much time to to show us as you said like the the general populace of wakanda what their life is like but i i think we're supposed to get the sense that yes everyone in wakanda has these bet has these benefits yeah you know uh can we t- talk about how amazing shuri is yes <laughs> we can <laughs> holy I mean, crap i was like oh my god you're cute but like so much cooler yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, that relationship uh, was definitely my favorite relationship in the film. I mean, just from that first interaction wh- uh, where he comes back from whatever and they they have the little, like, high-five kind of routine that they do. And they're just, like, they're just beaming at each other. You just yeah. really feel that, like, familial love, that just warmth. It just exudes from both of them. And that it was just so, you know, imme- I'm immediately, like... Heartwarmed, and I care about these characters, and it's just a great little moment. Yeah, and just the the idea that Shuri, who you know is so young but so brilliant, it's just assumed. I mean, she's like the mm-hmm. backbone of Wakanda, right? So mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like yeah. yeah, it's been entrusted to her. The and in fact, that's one of the reasons why Mabaka issues his challenge, right? Is because he's like, you know, this this young girl, you know, has too much power in our society. Um, you yeah. know, you've you've entrusted her with with too much knowledge and too much power. But but no one else has that that issue. They're just like, yeah, like, let this girl work, you know, <laughs> look at all the shit she's doing. She definitely had some of the best lines. Girl, she, girl. She was like, great. Another broken white boy for us to. Oh, oh my God. Hollered. It was so good. The and then the don't scare me like that. Colonizer. colonizer yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, for oh. real. So like. The, oh, and then the sneakers. I thought. Mm-hmm. Was, you know what I call them? Yeah, sneakers. <laughs> yeah. I. You know. Uh, it, uh, maybe I shouldn't be the one to say this, but like the thing that's so special about this movie is that it is a movie like by and for Black people. Yeah. On a mainstream level, mm-hmm. like and ever and these little moments were like I, sort of. I like I just was like, I'm so happy this exists. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so happy I get to witness and be a part of this or not be a part of it, but I get to witness this moment. Right. Um, And like the the the, there were so many lines like that that were just straight up like 
like fuck you white people like fuck you imperialists like fuck you for destroying our our like the deep oppression that you've caused without any kind of like there wasn't any um uh, there, like, there were no uh, concessions w- made. Wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah there was no concession made. Except, I will say, I was disappointed that they ha- even had one yeah. sympathetic white character. Like, well, yeah, That's and the, and the is... fact that it's Martin Freeman, who, don't get me wrong, yeah. I love that too, but I was like, if you're going to have one um, kind of, you know, halfway important white character, that's a real interesting choice to have made, to have it be that yeah, dude. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know? that was my one, yeah. Like, I wish it went, I mean, I, I understand, again, like... <laughs> That it can only be so radical within the mainstream market. I totally get that. But I wish that, you know, the fact that we're still ultimately supposed to come away with these warm, fuzzy feelings about the CIA guy who's like, I mean, we can laugh about it, but still we're supposed to basically like him and not really think too much. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good CIA So we have like, you know, uh, Andy Serkis's language. He, you know, uses explicitly like white supremacist, Mm -hmm. like really racist language. So he's like... The embodiment of like the the like the truly the bad like white person the bad oppressor and then like Martin Freeman is like yeah you know he's he's all right right because he's the good American. Do y'all exactly. remember yeah. when the first Black Panther trailer dropped and a significant portion of it was the scene the interrogation yep. scene with Andy Serkis and Martin yeah. Freeman and people were immediately like. Okay, what it's a but yeah, like why? Yeah. Why are we spending yeah. so much time on the two white dudes <laughs> in this movie? Like you, y'all need to roll that shit back. Can I just yeah, bring up but, something incredibly yeah. superficial, but that made me okay? I laughed, cried, stood up and applauded. Um, did the Millie rock throughout this entire movie? But one thing that I absolutely lost my mind over: when did Andy Circus get swole? Like, did am I? <laughs> Was so much right. bigger than I remember him being. Yep. <laughs> I was just like, I'm like, oh, is this I, another, I don't know what was maybe going on there, but I couldn't his... stop looking at him and being like, when did you get big? <laughs> it's like maybe it's another one of his CGI performances, and it's like, a, like <laughs> I he's like, playing. I bet he would be furious though. Like, yeah. is he deep inside a green suit, like tiny dude? And they packed right. on the muscles, but he packed on some yeah. bulk, whatever. So I, I wish. So it's kind of. Uh, play off of the whole Andy Serkis thing like I kind of wish I'd gone into this movie knowing a little bit less about the plot because Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool the way uh, like if I didn't know from just trailers and stuff that Killmonger was like really the villain of this film Mm -hmm. like for the first I would have totally thought oh Andy Serkis is like the main bad guy right and then so like Oh, and well, and then Killmonger, it would have been like this surprise, like, oh, surprise villain, like mm-hmm. Killmonger is like the real villain of this. And um, because Killmonger to me, it's just like the most interesting character in the film, like mm-hmm. overall, just to me, he was, even though he's immoral in the sense of obviously the, where his anger and his pain and his convictions, mm-hmm. the place they take him to, those, that anger and that pain is for me like, the moral core mm-hmm. of this film. And it's sort of, it's it's what pushes T'Challa and, and because T'Challa as an individual, as the king kind of represents Wakanda overall, it's he's kind of what pushes Wakanda mm-hmm. to like have this moral reckoning of like, right. oh shit, we, like it is immoral for us to be this kind of isolationist nation mm-hmm. when we do have these resources and when, uh, you know, black people have been oppressed around the world for mm-hmm. centuries. Like, we do have to fucking do something. I um, I loved, I loved the conversation oh. that the film was giving us um, that demonstrated the tension that often exists between um, uh, people from African nations and African Americans today and the sort of mm-hmm. conversation happening in the diaspora um, but between those two groups, you know? And the way that that was represented was absolutely fantastic. But but going back to this idea about Killmonger as a villain, like you, I found him just so compelling. And one of the things that I loved about it is that when you have so many, um, like when you, when you have a world that is so steeped in blackness, right? Um, and that... It, just completely is concerned with blackness. You can have a fully realized, nuanced, complex black villain Mm -hmm. without it lapsing Mm -hmm. into stereotypes, right? And even visually, I just thought it was so stunning that you have this villain with this, you know, um, beautiful, um, natural, 
black masculine haircut, right? And you have this tremendously visually stunning like scarification on his body that reads completely differently because he's in a movie surrounded by other black people. Whereas if it were a movie um, with primarily white actors, right? If you have a black villain who's coded so specifically as black, those black markers are going to be used to demonstrate his pathology in some way. And so like, I just, Mm -hmm. I love that we got a chance to have like a fully realized black villain without yes. having that problem of thinking like, oh yeah, yeah, one of the ways we know he's bad is because his hair is, you know, n- naturally textured, you know, because he is scarified. Like I have a real problem with movies in which villains have some sort of marker, um, like physical marker, like scarification, and that's meant to demonstrate their evil in some way. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this is a vibrant cultural practice today. You don't get to say that someone who has those kinds of scars, um, um, you know, like that's a, that can't be a visual shorthand for for evil, yeah. right? Or for difference. Yeah. Totally. So I I really want to talk more about Killmonger, but I want to do a quick detour just to piggyback on what you were saying because I um and I I I would like to know what you both think. Like, so the the sort of the gorillas or the the other tribe that was the, the first Jabari. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I said girl because I. So the reason I said that was because they they were coded as more savage, quote unquote. Mm. They were more primitive, quote unquote, and that their um their visual their animal was like a, I think it was a gorilla. You yeah. can see when you walked up to the the cave, and so I had a little bit of tension with that because like they were the sort of quote unquote bad guys for that moment, or they're the sort of outcasts in Wakanda. And I, I was like, but it's a world full of so much blackness and Mm -hmm. so many different kinds of representations. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different tribes, right? It wasn't like a mono, um, it wasn't a monoculture, which I really appreciated. So I like, was that okay? Like, was that representation? Okay. I actually really, um, I, I was, I was very pleased with the way that, you know, Ryan Coogler and the rest of the people responsible for the world dealt with um, Mbaku, uh, Gorilla Mbaku, as they call him. Uh, He his character in the comics is, I believe, man ape. And it has been a really problematic um, kind of portrayal in a lot of ways, because there is this racist conflation of, you know, of black people as being more animalistic, but specifically being more akin to monkeys, right? So it's been potentially problematic. What I loved about the way um, the Jabari are presented in this, I I guess I didn't see them as more um, savage, although I could see how potentially, you know, it could be read that way. But I thought they did a, a wonderful job of showing that these people are not animalistic, but they have the the gorilla the ape is a an important cultural symbol for them um so like they have they have constructed you know ritual and tradition around things that the animal represents for them like strength or whatever right um but that they themselves are not more animalistic and i think we see that more uh, when we actually go to their mountain hideaway and we see that yeah. you know the the okay sideways no i love how there are such different visual styles for each group, right? Mm-hmm. For each nation within Wakanda. Yeah. Um, so we go, we see the Jabari, right? And there's this kind of very meta conversation about um, the Jabari because like Mbaku says, you know, if you speak again, I'm going to feed you to my children, right? And there's that <laughs> great cannibalism joke. And then, he, and then he's like, just kidding, we're vegetarians, right? Oh, like that was just it was so knowing. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, okay. Um, I want to come back to Killmonger because I think I, I want to talk about to, those oh, tattoos, the, the, the scarification, because I want to sure. know how does that work logistically? Like, when do you start getting <laughs> those and where do you put them? And also, can you count like like what if you killed someone with an explosion? What, but but also, like, when you run kill? out of sp- like, is he does he have a stopping point? Like, OK, once my torso is covered, I'm not going to my face or I'm not going to my legs or whatever. But like, literally, where did that start? And did it look funky when he just started and it was like two and then three and then four and whatever? And it only started looking good when he had like 50 because it looks good as a full body suit. You know, of scarification. I'm just wondering about the logistics. Hit me up at, <laughs> at Ebony Aster. Let me know. Um, so I want to talk about Killmonger because I, in addition to being complex, I think part of his complexity is that he's also a sympathetic villain. And mm-hmm. I think creating sympathetic villains is really challenging, uh, especially in superhero narratives. Um, and so like, 
you I feel like as the audience, you're kind of like, yeah, right. kind of with it's, you on yeah, this, like, right? Like kind of yeah. following following this kind of thing. And like, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I if it weren't, I would totally be on team Killmonger mm-hmm. all, if, he, if he didn't push it to the point of like where it's so explicitly like the opp- the oppressed should become the oppressors, right? Which he mm-hmm. basically right. said. And also the whole like he's willing to just kill his girlfriend in cold blood because whatever, anything that gets in his way, which is obviously like the whole it's the kick the dog thing of just like we have to make you kind of hate this guy so he'll do this shit. Yeah, but, but you don't hate him. Like, no, I just, you like, don't. Like, I know then, they tried yeah. to do that, but. Like, I mean, when, yeah. I mean, he, Michael B. Jordan is, is just so, so good. He's, in every way. He just brings <laughs> so much soul and emotion to this, you know, when he's yeah. crying, when he goes to the land of the ancestors and he's back in that apartment yep. in Oakland. Oh, with, my God. That oh scene with Sterling K. Brown. God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you have no tears for me? Oh, my. I was done. I was emotionally wrecked. Yeah. And it's like you get why, uh, I mean, as this black kid growing up in Oakland in the 90s when he says, like, people die all mm-hmm. the time, that's just the way it is. Like, you get that yeah. attitude, right? It's So so oh, one of the big tensions, like the major conflict and tension of the film is the idea of um, do you protect you and yours or do you share mm-hmm. the resources mm-hmm. that you have, right? And that and the tension is generational. Um, yeah. It's something that's been passed down, et cetera, et cetera. Like they're like, literally, they don't want to have refugee programs yeah. or, or foreign mm-hmm. aid or any of that kind of stuff, which, you know, talking about how international aid today in the real world is super fucked up industry, but that's mm-hmm. another issue. So, so the tension of bringing in um, this sympathetic villain where you're like, why would you hold all of this to yourselves and not share it when everyone else is struggling? Like you've clearly mm-hmm. been in a bubble. Um, and I, and I, that 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 argument is advanced by Nakia, right? When Charles says, like, I want you to come back. And she's like, I can't. The things that I've seen, the things that I know, mm-hmm. like she's not the first person in the movie to say we've got to do something. It is irresponsible. It's immoral for us right. to keep this to ourselves. And so, you know, yeah, I may love you. We may, you know. Um, I rock with you like that, but no, I I can't pretend that it's Wakanda only. Yeah, and so so the the way it was wrapped up, I didn't feel great about. Mm-hmm. I think it was fine for what it was in the sort of mainstream way, but I. First of all, I wanted kill. I I did not. I really was really upset when Killmonger died. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you you need to live and learn about your people and have yep. your family and and like heal from the trauma of this experience. <sighs> um, that, that line, well, just oh, like that. Shit. That line. I, I, I cried. Like I cried at several head. points during the movie, but when he died and spoke that truth about the slaves who jumped overboard mm-hmm. in the middle passage. Because it's better to be dead than live in bond. I'm tearing up now. I'm yeah. going to take, yeah. take, yeah. take a black ass moment in this podcast and tell you, I was so moved, so moved by that. Like this, yeah, it's a fun popcorn movie, fun Marvel superhero movie. And you could enjoy it purely on that level. But there's so many more layers to this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, I did like the way it was resolved in the sense that, you know, what was really effective for me about the scene where they go back to where they go to Oakland and, you know, Chala reveals that he's bought those buildings Mm -hmm. is that there's an there's another black boy on the basketball court who looks to me somewhat similar to the the black boy who who played young Eric. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just it's this sense of, okay, well, maybe this one can be saved and maybe that maybe you know the it's too late to change the past but going forward i mean ultimately it's like i think the film it clearly sides with not killmonger's ideology but clearly with the idea that yes wakanda does have to do yeah so my issue with that and so this is why okay so the question is how do you share your resources and who do you share them with and how are you most effective? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a little bit of like, you see him, um, you know, like, like, so, so they're, they're, the idea is that, um, Nakia is now going to help run this system of, Mm -hmm. of spreading our technology and our resources and helping people. Um, it, it feels bureaucratic, Mm-hmm. Right. Like it doesn't. I'm like, what are you like? They, he goes and he talks to like what, the United yeah. Nations, the equivalent of the United Nations. So are you going to give world powers your like these pr- really oppressive world powers the tools? Or are you going to give the people the tools? Because that's the thing that Killmonger was saying. And like this is the tension is 
Like, yeah, that totally. It, I, yeah. Well, the tension also, is like between: do you give power to the people who are oppressed so that they can rise right, up? Right, yeah. right. And what does that mean? Yeah. Versus, do you do you build institutional structures and maintain the same kinds of hierarchies that yeah. already exist? Yeah, like Killmonger's not advocating for like an NGO, like a Wakandan NGO. No, he's yeah. straight up like when we show the world what we have. Yeah, the people are gonna ri- the people are gonna rise up. It's not gonna be some trickle down mm. thing. Right. Like the people are going to realize we're strong and and the world is going to change. I have to say, though, as much as I theoretically and intellectually sided with Eric Killmonger, there was also a part of me that was like, yo, Wakanda, I will take the loss. Like, keep it to yourself. Stay away. The world is garbage. I don't put up the force field and don't let anybody in. Yeah, it's hard to really make those judgments because we don't know the scare, like how much vibranium is there? Like what is, like how much can they change the world? We we don't have like spreadsheets and facts and figures about, about that stuff, but certainly the implication of like, which I hadn't really thought through of like, oh, hey, well, we're friendly with this guy from the CIA is like, are we, is the CIA, you know, the benevolent CIA of the benevolent United States, you know, are they going to mm-hmm. benefit from vibranium? Is the world's military power is going to benefit? Like, yeah, it, that there's certainly uh, thorny questions mm-hmm. there that mm-hmm. come up when you think that through. All right, so I, I do want to talk about the women because I feel like they I. I was I knew that there was a lot of um, black women cast, but I was kind of surprised at just how big of a role they had and how much screen time they had in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just like the whole royal guard being these incredible oh, looking women my God. who were clearly like the most oh. super powerful warriors to ever yeah. exist. Right? Oh, um, my between her God. between. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I can't shut up. Oh. The Dora Milaje. Oh, my God. My God. My God. My God. I got my life. I got my, I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I just, I'm through. The general is everything. The general is everything. Oh, my yeah. God. That's all I got to say. Okay. One, when she rips her wig off Girl, uh, and uh, uses uh, it no, as a uh, weapon. Uh, don't start nothing with me this morning because when <laughs> she showed up there in Busan, South Korea, right? And she's wearing that wig. You knew right away where ma'am was at. She was like, I'm not with it. I can't wait to take this shit off. Oh, it so doesn't good. look right. It's the only, the only time we see a black person in the film with straightened hair. The rest is yep. this beautiful natural hair and all these styles, right? Yeah. And when she rips that shit off, I, okay, so I saw the theater in this, you know, white ass suburb, whatever. Shout out to the frat boys who were in the audience with me last night. But the reaction to that <laughs> scene was fairly muted. So, you know, I hope that I didn't ruin anybody's moving going night because I jumped out of my seat. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, I I couldn't handle myself. So I could, and when well, and because so, it's not yeah. just the wig um, toss, right? Where she throws off, throws. Look at what she's throwing off, right? But the way in which she herself is framed and shot as a superhero, so that her red mm. dress flows across the screen like a superhero cape as she jumps from the balcony to the first floor. Come on! Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, totally. And I love, so first of all, she's wearing flats. I would just like to point this out. Very practical for fighting. And then um, when Nakia takes her her shoes off and whacks someone in the face with them, you see that she's driving the car barefoot. barefoot. Yep. And like, these are, there's so much care taken to demonstrate these moments of thought that Mm -hmm. were put into this in terms of like, this is a fully realized world, even if it is a superhero world. It's not like, you know, like, we're walking around in stilettos and we're yep. like super badass yep. and we can fight. It's like, no, these are practical women who mm-hmm. understand what their mission is and what they need to accomplish. Yeah. Um, man, I just, the, uh, the, just the women of the world were amazing. And so, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night I retweeted, um, uh, Eve Ewing who said, in terms of female characters, the women in Black Panther made Wonder Woman look like Betty Crocker. 
I retweeted that saying, definitely feeling this. I feel more emotional and more empowered by the representation of the female warriors in Black Panther than I did of the warriors in Wonder Woman. Now, I like that is my personal opinion that mm-hmm. I I like I I was so emotionally taken by these women. They were involved in the world. There were so many women fighting on a regular basis and struggling and being a part of this world. So that's how I felt. I didn't like Wonder Woman that much. I've already talked about that. We don't need to go through that. The internet lost their shit yep. as if it's like this competition or that we're like yeah, we compare films. It happens. That's sure. how you like understand and grow and build. And so, like, I can't look at my Twitter feed today because everybody is losing their mind mm. about like how dare I hate women when I'm trying <laughs> to praise this other thing. Yeah, why mm-hmm. are you trying to take away the the joy that uh, that some women got from Wonder look, Woman? And, and that's and that's the dumbest thing ever because yeah, it's a goddamn tweet. But the point is that we we identify with different experiences yeah, and right. different visual representations, and we can have those conversations. And also, like, look, we've got one superhero movie starring a woman and one superhero movie with a black cast, right? Like, we are fighting over fucking table scraps here. Mm-hmm. Like, don't pit these things together and don't make it sound like we're trying to pit these things together when we're right. trying to have uh, I just ranted really hard sorry I've been, no, I've, been, good. I've been holding that in I've been so fucking mad about this shit like we need to demand more of all of this exactly mm-hmm. right of all of these representations and make sure that like you know like let's be real Black Panther was a like it was such a fully realized world a, such a fully like world that really digs into a culture of people who have mm-hmm. not seen themselves represented right. and their struggles represented yeah. in this real way and like yeah the goal is to get to a place where the release of a movie like Black Panther isn't in and of itself th- that big of a deal it's not like any more so than like another Thor or whatever because because the the, the because those things exist, mm-hmm. right? But the part of what makes Black Panther such a, a moment, of course, is that these is that things like this just don't exist. Like yeah. you see the, the the shots from the the red carpet, as we've talked about before, and it's like it's like this, you know, this window into another world where oh. There's like movie premieres where, like, with Man, black casts and stuff. I can't like, even imagine some alien thing. I can't even imagine how it felt to be those actors mm-hmm. every yeah. day working together mm-hmm. in an environment that they've literally never been able mm-hmm. to do before mm-hmm. because yeah. that's not how Hollywood works. Like, how special? Like, oh this is God. so special for yeah. so many. Re- and, I was watching. So obviously, it's a Marvel movie. You know, you can't get up till the lights come on, right? Because there's going to be post credit sequences. So I'm watching mm-hmm. the credits and I. I um I had a moment where I was watching the names of the um the stunt actors go by and just the knowledge that like all of those people were black you know like all of those black people got jobs and they got to work in this very black environment on this black film that's about celebrating you know and and showing the glory of blackness in all its form but I just thought like when have we ever had that you know just like from top to bottom, yeah. you know, from top to bottom, in front of the screen, and, in, in and the mainstream. The You're right in the mainstream. Yeah, right. you know, but you don't get that. Yeah. yeah, but but going back to the whole Wonder Woman, um, Dora Milaje thing, like, f- yeah, I, I, there were parts of um, the mascara that in the Wonder Woman film that yeah, I was I, I loved, like I was super excited by and charged by, but it ends and then we're with Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah. You know, and, and she's sort of the sole representative of of, uh, of female might from that point forward. We don't get her going back, um, except for the occasional flashback to to the Amazons. But the Dora Milaje are, are everywhere here. The general is in almost every scene. Nakia is in mm-hmm. almost every scene. Shuri is a vital part of this, right? Like they're they're just more deeply woven into the narrative and also visually. Okay, I get, you know, they they couldn't make huge radical changes to the way that the Amazons were dressed, I guess. But I loved... Um, the way the Dora Milaje, like their their uniforms were put together. I've done a lot of reading um, about the the costume designer on the film and the the, the research that she did and the different um, you know cultural markers she she used. So like the Maasai, the the Himba, the Tuareg, whatever, you know, like just you know weaving all of that in. But they just they looked like fighters and there was no there seemed to be no concession to um like the sex gaze 
for the Jor Malaji, right? Yeah. You know? So just the fact that you don't see their skin, very much of their skin. Yes, their outfits are partially form-fitting, but the fact that you don't see very much of their skin, and like we know vibranium is woven through their outfits and is a form of armor. Like, I just loved that. You know, I loved it. And yes, I loved that they were shaved balls because one of the things that I hate about the way female fighters are often depicted is they have this long flowing hair. And I'm like, girl, someone's going to grab that shit and you're going to be taken down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. It's so practical. Yeah. Uh, I loved the um, the uh, in the last battle scene, the um, the sort of the, the capes, like the blanket kind of capes that the, the, the shields. That turn into shields. Like, yes. how fucking... I just... I love... The, I love that the... Bra- you know, we we're talking about the bracelet, mm-hmm. the beads. What are they called again? Kimoyo. That those are... Like, that That there's jewelry and clothing as as useful items yes. in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that serve multiple purposes. Oh, fucking... This, the, the, re- the world realization mm-hmm. is just magnificent. Before All we right. move on, can I just yeah. say, you know, normally because I have a, a cold, dead sender where my heart is, normally I couldn't <laughs> give two shits about romance, but mm-hmm, Lupita mm-hmm. and Chadwick in this movie, the fact that he is so taken, captivated by this dark skinned, natural hair black woman. Oh, Oh, my God. That's all I can say. I don't have a single coherent thought about this movie except, oh, my God, hit me up on Twitter and I'll reaffirm that several more times. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, so just let's talk about that super quick before we move on and before our producer yells at me for going over time. Um, He wouldn't yell at me. He's so delightful. But... um, No, that's true. Uh, like, I'm not laughing. So I wrote a note being like, he gets the girl at the end, quote, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just wrote that to remember. It didn't feel gross to me, and it didn't feel contrived to me, and I can't, I have yet, we we literally watched this last night, so I can't quite articulate it fully, but, like, yeah. it felt like, it, yeah, sorry. Sorry, no, I didn't mean to, but I think part yeah. of it is that, that there's a kind of growth in his perspective, and he, I mean, he's like, he wants her to stay, obviously, but, but he... But he's also wanting Wakanda to meet her halfway, like her under her mm-hmm. conviction that Wakanda has to get more involved in the world. Like it, it, it feels like his he's his political ethics and his his relationship ethics are kind of working together. Yeah. Well, and I also there, like I, I don't like, like the that he doesn't want her to go out and do things sure. which we had just talked about. But yeah. I also feel like they did such a substantial job of building the like love between them mm-hmm. that it didn't feel like he was just like chasing after her the whole movie and she was just an object of affection. It felt like two fully realized mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. who are on a path. Right? And also and they I think that that's the difference. Such beautiful chemistry together. I, I mean, you can tell so like the chemistry between the entire cast. Carrie, you started, uh, you know, by talking about the the sibling relationship between Shuri and Chala, right? Um, but the way he moves so comfortably and the the full faith that he places in these women who are around him, you know? Just again, going back to that fight scene, like the, the climactic fight scene, right? There's no point at which the camera pulls back from a scene where a woman is fighting a dude, right? Or has a dude rescue her, like these fighters are so capable in and of themselves and everyone just believes that it's not a, there's no question, you know, like mm-hmm. that was so yeah. radical to me. You know, there was just there was yeah. no question that a dude was going to come in and take over the fight because a woman was going to be if anything, women were going to save each other. Oh, my God. I love yeah. this movie. Oh, Totally. Y'all, go see this movie with the quickness. See mm-hmm. it 500 times. See it in the theaters. It is so breathtaking to behold. Um, just do it. We are going to move the rest of this conversation into the bonus segment where we'll talk a little bit more about the film and we'll talk about some uh, reactions from other critics and and respond to those. So if you are a DRIP member, you can access that. If you're not a DRIP member, you should become one at d.rip slash femfreak. Let's do a little freaking out. I'd like to. So we should tell our listeners that uh, what's your freak out was unanimously <laughs> voted. Unanimously? The best Did that title. get a new definition? Yeah, well, Yo, because there was a I poll. Put, uh, I need a. <laughs> 
created a Twitter poll, and everyone who responded to that poll voted for What's Your Freak Out? Okay, y'all. Ebony was posting a bunch of tweets of people saying they liked What's Your Deal or comments or whatever, and so I was just being a smartass and put a poll up on my Twitter account that said, which segment title do you like better? What's Your Freak Out or What's Your Freak Out? Uh, mm-hmm. And some people took mm-hmm. it really seriously, which mm-hmm. I think is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Um, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go real quick. All right, um, so where my freak out this week is uh, an iOS game called Florence, which we're going to talk about probably more on, on a future episode. So for now, I really just want to put it in people's ears, encourage people to play it. It's like it's two ninety nine. It's a narrative game. You play it. it. It takes like an hour. And it's just like a really... Uh, artful, really moving and lovely uh, uh, sort of tale of one woman's life and a romantic relationship that she has. And, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to give too much away, really, because I do want folks to play it. But um, it just does some really uh, cool, I think, interactive uh, uh, things uh, to to kind of put you in her experience of just the kind of the the different kind of phases of meeting a person and falling in love and your two lives kind of becoming integrated uh in, you know into each other so um it's a really neat uh, game it's uh, i guess one of the i guess the designers worked on monument valley but there's a completely different type of game um anyway uh yeah check it out it's 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 lovely nice Carol, up uh, Carol, Jesus, Ebony, <laughs> what's your freak you out? You can call week? me Carol. Uh, my freak out this week, so it was going to be Blade. I was going to try and keep things um, thematically consistent and talk about a, a different black superhero, but instead, I'm here to encourage everyone if you have not read it, please pick up a copy at your local library, Amazon, whatever, of the new Jim Crow. Uh, in mass incarceration in the age of color blindness by legal scholar Michelle Alexander. Um, this book is so vital. M- my copy, like, I've, I've, it's practically all highlights and notes. But um, the way that Alexander lays out her argument that um, uh, that that racial the racial caste system in America has just been redesigned. It hasn't been eliminated. Um, is is stunning and just so um, forcefully laid out. So it, just to kind of give you a sense of the the way the book is, like what I'm loving so much about it. Um, you know, she says things like. In the era of colorblindness, and we're talking, you know, post-Obama, right? When people are like, ah, racism is over. But in the era of colorblindness, it is no longer socially permissible to use race explicitly as a justification for discrimination, exclusion, and social contempt. Today, it is perfectly legal to discriminate discriminate against criminals in nearly all, all the ways that it was once legal to discriminate against African-Americans. But just, yeah, her thesis that the racial caste system in America, the, um, you know, the drug war, is the new Jim Crow. Like, I, I can't get over this book. And you know how vital and how um, how seriously this book should be taken when I say that this book has been banned in a lot of prisons. Um, they, they won't allow people to send it to inmates. So Jesus. go check it out. Yeah, the new Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. If you can't, I've, this book is so good when I'm done reading it and doing my little book report. If you can't afford a copy, hit me up on DMs. I will send you my copy. You must read it. I will send it to you. Okay, I yeah, I've heard really good things about it. That's great. We we should all read it. We should have a book club. Let's have a feminist frequency. Book How club. many hours do you have in the day? Because I only have twenty four. Mm. I got twenty six. Mm-hmm. Enough for a book club. Bonus. Um, you need to be right. working on your Wakanda entrance application. <laughs> Uh, okay, so my freak out this week, I'm going to wrap up my thoughts on The Expanse. I finished season two, which I had said you have to pay for season two, but between that time and when it started, it's available on Amazon Prime. See, you know, people Prime talk Prime about Amber, so. your power in pop culture and <laughs> industry and how you can make things happen. People just tell Anita to tweet about something and things change. Now nah, I'm just fucking so behind that it's now free because everybody's already watched it. <laughs> Um, not free. You, it's part of the membership. But um, 
Okay, so I don't know how or why, but I started live tweeting the show and I didn't mean to. And then I did it for like three episodes and kind of felt stuck in the fact that I had to do it. So when I actually started liking the show and didn't have as much like quippy thoughts to say, it became a little more difficult. But I'll link that. uh, I'll link that thread in uh, our show notes. Here's what I think. A lot of the same problems I had from season one were a part of season two in the like, you know, bad character development or um, like bad relationship development and that sort of thing. I thought for the first four episodes of season two was a lot of the same just bullshit. And I wasn't sure if I was going to keep watching it or not Um, about into episode five and on. I think that they finally figured out uh, Episode five was very good. It was called Home. There's some bullshit sexualized stuff at the end. But I think that was the marker for me in terms of when they actually started doing much more with the world building. They were able to integrate like the conspiracies and the relationships that the people have with their own factions versus their relationship to the conspiracy and what's happening. Um, you know, like the, the tech is really interesting in this world. The, the different factions trying to navigate how to deal with so many unknown variables and motivations in a tense and hostile solar system. Like these are things that they, they tried to get across in the first season and I think they failed, but in season two, they really had more time and ability to dive into it. Um, There was a discussion in one episode about privilege that I really liked, even though it was undermined. So there was a a scene where they were talking about, so I'm going to give us the real world equivalent to what they were doing in space, which is just because you're an ally doesn't mean you can speak for an oppressed group or know the best course of action for that group. Um, So there was like... Why the fuck do you think that you can speak for us? And also, why the hell are you speaking up in this meeting where you are not a part of these people? You're, like, lucky to be in this space. And so, like, some characters get called out for that. The problem is that those characters are the characters that we identify with and that we think are, like, the moral compass to some degree of the show. And so... Um, it's undermined by the fact that the quote unquote, like the not quote unquote, but the oppressed group, right, which are the belters and the OPA in this environment, that while they are right about how shitty the like these imperial powers treat them, um, they do violent, shady, like questionable things to justify to, to try to like f- attain power in this world. And the show doesn't do a good enough job, I don't think, of showing um why that is like they show how how oppressed these people are but i don't think they do a super good job of of letting us identify with those choices which is super related to our conversation we just had with black panther Mm -hmm. and what does it mean to rise up what does it mean to take power back and that sort of thing um there is uh, one of the things this is minor, but like if you've grown up on Mars and you come to Earth, like you can't function. The mm-hmm. gravity is different. The light, the horizon, the sun, the everything, the ocean, like everything. And so I, I, I was fascinated by like the amount of time they spent on how your body deals with changing environments. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say is Holden, who is like the main white dude character um, or the main character. He's a white dude is so fucking awful through and through and every time he's on screen i want to wash my eyeballs out with bleach his like, name is holden just his name is holden oh so he's garbage just like holden from mindhunter sorry sure okay <laughs> and sure. holden caulfield it's the name and of so garbage people Holdens. okay yeah um i think that the character development is still super rough so like you they're just not subtle in how they develop them right like there's one character who i actually really like but she spends four episodes being like she's from mars and she hates earthers and she's like i hate earthers kill them all let's go to war kill them all kill them all kill them all and you're like oh great so in a few episodes you're going to be like have some transformative experience where you now have to learn to not hate earther like before that happened which is what happened you know that that's what's going to happen right so there's no subtlety there but overall Thank you for your feedback on whether I should continue watching it. I will definitely chime in for season three. You know, it'd be now interesting I'm... if the uh, if the writer of the Expanse uh, knew that you were live tweeting and maybe <laughs> had a response. That would be interesting. Uh, the producer and I guess co writer. Well, I for- I forget his name. Tweeted at me, and I was a little mortified. Anyways, that's my freak out this week. Um, 
If there are any other good sci-fi shows out there, please send them my way. People I'm, are wanting it, us to watch uh, Altered Carbon and oh Electric God. Dreams. I said good, Ebony. Well, I haven't I seen it. Good. I don't know. Well, maybe they will talk about it. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can talk offline. Yes we, should, yes, we should talk about it. I just don't. I'm, I'm not, not going to have a lot of time, it. to be honest, because I have Black Panther screenings every day from <laughs> now till the end of time. So I'm going to have to work this into my schedule. <laughs> Well, and you're taking all these trips to Wakanda now. So. No, no trips to Wakanda. I'm in Wakanda. Oh, right, I, right. You're I'm, just there. I'm running a Black Panther-only movie theater. So, you know, I'm going to have a lot <laughs> on my plate is all I'm trying to suggest. All right, y'all. That's our show. You can catch us back here every single Wednesday. We couldn't make this podcast happen without our generous backers on Drip which is Kickstarter's new subscription-based crowdfunding platform. So help us keep bringing this podcast to you every week by joining the Feminist Frequency community. We got some great rewards. So pitch in now at d.rip slash femfreak. If you are enjoying this show, we have a teeny tiny little baby favor to ask you. Please leave us a review on iTunes because it really helps spread the word about our show. And, you know, tell your friends while you're sitting around talking about how cool Black Panther is and be like, yo, I just listened to this great podcast about Black Panther. You should check them out. Um, you can check out all of our work and our other podcasts at FeministFrequency.com. We are debuting a brand new podcast soon, and you're not going to want to miss it. I promise. So you can follow us on Twitter at FemFreak to stay up to date on all of the news. We always want to hear from you, so hit us up on Twitter. Carolyn? At Carolyn Michelle. Ebony? I am at move or you will be moved. <laughs> Shout out to Civil War. I know y'all catch that reference. <laughs> or at Ebony Aster. I'm at Anita I'm no longer Sarkeesian. responding at Ebony Aster. I am. Sure. That's yeah. Good. Great. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that uh, uh, coming to America cosplay you posted today. That was amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. All right. Our producer's Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.